In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. The year is 1987. The band Swing Out Sister, a, a, a punk, punkish looking group with a beautiful uh, melody in this song, Breakout. But uh, I believe you did uh, at some point lip sync to this song at your junior prom. I, I don't recall having done that, although my junior prom is a tad fuzzy at this point. I've never heard of this band, but I've heard of the song. But uh, you're a good man for digging it out. Um, but in any event, that's neither here nor there. We are here because we mean business. Uh, we do. Yeah, we do. And anytime we're here, and frankly, sometimes when we're not here, we mean business. Yeah, often and um, you know, few and far between, whatever the, whatever the saying, whatever the saying is, um, you know, we mean business. Uh, we are here again this week, uh, last week, next week, every week. Uh, here on the big program. And uh, of course, you can learn more about our show on our website, ipfrequently.com. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, I believe also on the Twitter, the TikTok, the MySpace, and the Facebook at IP underscore frequently. Well, Brad, this has been somewhat of an eventful week, huh? Buddy, unbelievable. The, the United States is an unbelievable place to live at this point. You know, there's that old... Arab curse that says, may you live in interesting times. And certainly you and I and our compatriots here on this very fine program are living in interesting times. It is, um, yeah, it is somewhat, uh, somewhat astonishing. Um, you know, here we are the beginning of summer. This is usually where people tap the brakes, kick back and enjoy a margarita or Mai Tai or something. Um, but now the news is coming at you hot and heavy. It's like fighting Mike Tyson. So, Brad, first, the big news items of the week, everyone needs to know about it, especially those folks out there who have a small business or two who are trying to run it uh, efficiently and trying to understand what is going on out there. The first big, uh, big news, of course, uh, down goes Roe v. Wade. Uh, Roe v. Wade uh, has been overturned by the Supreme Court. A six to three majority actually upheld a Mississippi law. Uh, restricting abortion and five of the six justices who signed on to that opinion uh, voted to overturn Roe v. Wade, which is a precedent that's been in place for about 50 years. Uh, this has led to more riots across the country, chaos, um, people uh, up in arms about what uh, the Supreme Court has done, people talking about the fact that this opinion uh, takes away a fundamental right and is going to force women into back alley abortions. Politicians are reacting. Corporations are reacting. Um, and be interested to hear your take on uh, the uh, Supreme Court's opinion. 
Well, buddy, I mean, unfortunately, the the riots are just de rigueur at this point, right? I mean, if anything happens that runs contrary to the progressive orthodoxy, this is what you get. I mean, and, and you're you're not allowed to say that it's inappropriate. The most important thing we can do for our listening audience, buddy, and you're, you're well equipped for this, you're actually trained as a lawyer, is to explain that what the Supreme Court did, regardless of how you feel about abortion, was the right thing if you believe in the foundations of this country. What the justices of the Supreme Court did was say, we are going to put matters of this magnitude into the hands of the voters. We, the nine unelected Supreme Court justices, do not see within the Constitution a right to an abortion. In fact, the Constitution grants very few rights per se. So if, if you want to think about it substantively, I, I think the counter argument would be if you're on the left, how would you feel if the Supreme Court said, hey, there's a constitutional right to the possession of an automatic weapon? Right now, clearly there is a constitutional right to bear arms, and, and we are wrestling in this country with what that means. But what if the Supreme Court were to come out and say, well, you know, within the penumbra of the Constitution, is this per se right to have an assault weapon? I think most folks on the left would lose their minds, but that is exactly the same thing that the Supreme Court did with Roe v. Wade. They said there is a constitutional right to an abortion. That's simply not true. We don't want justices making law. That wrecks the way that the, the country was organized, right? We're supposed to have checks and balance. Legislatures make law, right? And we vote for our legislators in the hopes that they will craft legislation that is in keeping with our culture. That is the way our country is supposed to work. And then the judicial system reviews those laws as cases arise and say, this law is you know, acceptable. It's not arbitrary. It's not capricious. It's constitutional. It, it falls with, under the Constitution. It, it can remain in practice or, or it can't. And they kick it back to the legislature and say, you got to do better. And, and that is what has happened in this case. And that is what we want. How you feel about abortion is an entirely separate issue as to whether or not you want justices making law. And in this country, we don't. Again, if you, if you think I'm nuts, go back to the example I gave you. How would you feel if nine unelected justices said, hey, not only can you not restrict the possession of guns, not only is there a constitutional right to the possession of guns, there is a constitutional right to the possession of an assault rifle. That is the same lawmaking out of nothing that the Supreme Court did with Roe v. Wade. And now this Supreme Court has said, no, we're not doing that. Yep. No, I, I completely agree. I think it's a completely created right um, out of whole cloth. And I am just as concerned about seven judges creating a right to abortion as I would be if seven judges or even five judges created a right to life in the Constitution and said somehow there's no right to uh, any type of abortion in any situation because there's a fundamental right to life, um, which is sort of the mirror image of Roe, which could happen. And I would be just as opposed to that because it's the Supreme Court's the one unelected um, branch of our three branches of government. They were meant to be the weakest, but still a check on the other branches, a judicial check. And if you go back and look at... Um, 
the evolution of the court, even judicial review was not given to the Supreme Court. They sort of took it in Marbury versus Madison, something that was actually debated and rejected by the founding fathers. Um, But it seems like this court sort of turned things back a little bit in terms of uh, resetting the landscape to be more democratic. And that's something that that you, you don't get out of the comment. So for example, and again, this is your former, the the, the mayor of your former town, Chicago, where I believe you you hung your hat for a while, Lori Lightfoot, when asked about this at a pride rally, uh, came up with the uh, quote, uh, F Clarence Thomas. So, you know, that's how she feels about it. I think Whoopi Goldberg said something similar, although I don't think she said Clarence Thomas, she just said after the Supreme Court. And then you have these companies and other people reacting. So for example, Google and Apple are telling employees they'll cover their travel expenses to other states where if they're in a state that restricts abortion, they can move to a state that doesn't. And you have people like AOC and Focahontas Elizabeth Warren uh, talking about opening up national uh, parks and other federal lands so that federal officials can perform abortion and abortion clinics can be set up on federal land. So it seems like a lot of people are up in arms about this because they're saying abortion has been taken away from women, that right. But the reality is it's in the hands of the people we elect in every state and at the federal level, by the way. And because of that, I think we should be pretty happy about this opinion because it takes it out of unelected officials hands like the Supreme Court. Well, buddy, that's exactly it. I mean, and that's the part I can't get. I mean, first of all, anybody who tells you that what the Supreme Court did was ban abortion, you see that all over the place. I mean, my daughters were showing me the other day that there's people losing their minds on social media because they, they somehow have fallen under the belief because they're uneducated, unread morons that what the Supreme Court did was ban Abortion. Nothing could be further from the truth. And frankly, if what Google and Apple want to do is cover the cost for employees to move into abortion-friendly state, I'm fine with that. That is something that you that you can and should be allowed to do in the United States of America. I mean, that that is a fine thing to do. the The question that the court answered was, and 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 I applaud this by the court because it's just too easy in this day and age have we seen the very same person you just mentioned lori lightfoot seizing power wherever she can find it forcing people into masks forcing people into vaccinations you know firing police officers who refuse to be vaccinated the the supreme court had a chance to solidify its power as an unelected legislature essentially and they didn't do it this is a hot button cultural issue with hot button cultural issues in a democracy. You want the democracy itself to weigh in, not some judge. And there are plenty of judges who would have taken the opportunity to say, well, I believe that what right looks like is this or that. To your point, could be pro-life, pro-choice. I believe this to be what right looks like, and so I will make it law. And the Supreme Court said, no, we will not do that. We will not usurp the authority of the various state legislatures We will not undermine the principles on which this country has been built. We're going to put it back in the hands of the people. And listen, if the people vote to, to, uh, you know, amend the Constitution, which I don't think will happen, if they vote, uh, if they elect federal legislators who put forth bills that provide for, you know, some federal abortion right or law, fine. But these morons 
like AOC and Focahontas, who are simply trying to leverage this decision falsely for political gain, again, just wind up looking like the couple of intellectual lightweights that they are. Yep. Couldn't agree more. And just to be clear, right, um, you and I uh, have offered anyone at our company, we run a small business, the opportunity who doesn't like and we're, we're based in, in Dallas, Texas, uh, but who doesn't like what's going on in Texas, a one-way ticket on that big uh, phallic symbol that uh, Jeff Bezos sends up into space once a quarter. One way, and then you work remotely from the Hubble telescope. Which is fine, because the views are amazing. Have you seen any of the pictures that the Hubble telescope sends back? My understanding is it takes it takes the pictures, develops them there in space, which is lower cost. Yeah. And then yeah. packages it in into a little envelope. And then those envelopes are rocketed back to earth and you can pull out your eight by 10 glasses or whatever have you. It's a fascinating process. But if you, if you somebody in the background, listen, somebody in the background doesn't like the thought of going up to um, I, I hear like a little whinny. In yeah, the well, they don't I mean, like I, the thought of going up to the Hubble uh, telescope on a phallic symbol. I mean, again, here in our studio audience, there are folks who are pro that. I mean, we have folks lining up, putting on their space helmets. It sounds like a good idea. And we have folks who don't like it. That's right. Well, Brad, the big news that came out a couple of weeks ago uh, will be available on the Salem Podcast Network. So very exciting news. And, and we're looking forward to being part of the Salem Podcast family. Yeah, I certainly am. I was a little bit alarmed just as a public service announcement, when I first looked up Salem um, and, the, you know, you immediately are directed towards things like witch trials. To my knowledge, there will be none of that, uh, certainly not on our program. So if you have the same experience as you do searches for the Salem Podcast Network, do not be alarmed. We are not associated with the trying of any witches, again, to my knowledge. Uh, Brad, next we go into... The Betty White Report, this is where, remember, beginning of the year, you and I did the big uh, thing about how lucky we were that Betty White was still with us as we went into 2022. And then it turns out we were both unaware that she had passed away. But now we moved on from Betty White as a, as a country and, you know, people mourn and grieve and they, they reflect and then they move on. And a lot of people have, have said, OK, who is the next America's sweetheart? Now, um, Kamala Harris, of course, everyone is saying, look, she is the first lady of the country, um, second lady of the country. I'm sorry. Um, see that I'm, now I'm talking like Biden, um, but uh, <laughs> vice president, she's a, a heartbeat away and a very faint heartbeat at that away from the presidency. Uh, very well respected and good health, handsome woman. Um, she, her, pro, she, her pronouns. Well, Kamala Harris has come out and she actually posted a photo of herself on Air Force Two jetting across the country, watching some of the Roe v. Wade overturned protests. And really, sort of her leadership on this issue is, um, I want to say, magnificent. Well, certainly nothing short of. I mean, it, it is ironic, I mean, I, but it's hard to even know where to start, right? So you have some liberals, of course, who are, you know, in Miss Harris's camp and saying, you know, she's doing a great job and we should be paying attention to her and she represents all this great about this country, which is interesting. And then you've got others who are blaming the Biden administration, which obviously includes Miss Harris is saying, well, they should have, you know, worked with Congress to have codified, you know, some sort of federal law regarding right to abortion and they didn't do it. So they suck. 
right? And so even, and again, I just, watching from the sidelines, I find this humorous, right? So even within the church of progressivity, uh, you've got arguments as to, you know, who's to blame here. I mean, some are saying, hey, look, you know, it's, it's not the Supreme Court's fault. They did what the Supreme Court's supposed to do. Uh, the administration should have been, you know, hustling this, especially while we have a, a, you know, fairly progressive Congress, should have been hustling this through Congress and, you know, it's their fault. And so I, I just sort of am bemused by the arguments that are happening, you know, these sort of inter, intra-Nicene arguments that are happening here. Well, listen, I, I'm not sure what that means, but I can tell you this. They did ask Kamala Harris uh, specifically what she thought about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. There's a quote. I thought about this. I reflected. I reflected as a parent. But then I stopped and I reflected as a woman and as a woman myself and the daughter of a woman eh? wow. and the granddaughter of a woman. Huh. That that was a mic drop right there. That was that was yeah. her her statement. And yeah. so Air Force Two jetting heartbeat away, Brad. Heartbeat away. One teetering bicycle away, my friend. <laughs> a tricycle could be a tricycle. Yeah, and uh, that's what she came up with, huh? And that's what she came up with. But then, then, look, this has been a bizarre week. The Sergeant at Arms of the Senate, Michael Stenger. He was in charge of all capital security on January 6th. Mm. And, you know, he, he actually came out and he actually blamed professional agitators um, for sort of starting the whole thing and sort of saying that there was some subversive element to the greatest sedition since the uh, uh, American Revolution. Um, and uh, again, he, he seemed to be taking a contrarian tone to the January 6th committee, which we'll get to. We'll get to suddenly passed away hours before a surprise hearing on January 6th. Now, how he died is up. No one seems to, to know. They just say he died suddenly. He was a, healthy, as a, healthy as a horse. Is it healthy yes, as I a believe horse? that's the expression. Healthy as a horse Lord or Bio. any other yeah. you know, member of the equine family. Healthy as a pony. Any of that will, is sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he, he died suddenly. And um, then they have this surprise hearing, which we'll get to. But it seems like yeah, there could be some a lot of people have sort of questioned what is going on here. Um, I don't want to say it's a conspiracy, but it's got some conspiratorial tones. Um, it could be something's afoot here. Well, I, this whole thing is so nuts. I mean, you, you've got these folks who have clearly just created a television, a made for TV event out of the January 6 hearings, right? I mean, no one actually seems to care about facts or evidence or impact or, you know, how we're going to use this as a springboard to move forward and somehow improve the country. It's a show for those currently holding power to showcase themselves. And I think that's great because they are showcasing themselves to be the lunatics, just the partisan lunatics that they actually are. And meanwhile, you know, completely unreported, again, no surprise, right? Because the media has their, you know, they're part of the church and, and you know, they're, they're going to stick to the orthodoxy as best they can, right? They're sort of the evangelical arm of progressiveness and they want to get the narrative out. But, you know, as you start to look at some of the evidence that is beginning to accrue about all the Russian Trump stuff, about what actually happened on January 6th, 
who was there, why they were there, what their role was to include that, unfortunately, of my former organization, the FBI. I mean, real troubling things are starting to come to light. It, it seems like you're implying that members of the January 6th committee could have killed the um, uh, sergeant arms of the Senate. I don't know, buddy, because I, I didn't know that he had died. That's one of the great things about this program is you advise me of things that I would not have otherwise paid attention to. And I, I could be, you know, I could be held open to criticism for that. It but, sounds uh, like it sounds like the morning widow is in the um, in full well, morning I mean, wailing I mean, in the background. There's there. a lot of people in our in our studio audience. And again, I applaud this who are emotionally invested in the goings on of the January 6 hearings and whether or not this poor sergeant in arms, uh, you know, was uh, was was frankly killed. Whether this is we're talking about a murder here or he just slipped on through to the other side, uh, certainly the stress and tension of his job over the last couple of years could have well put anybody into an early and unforeseen grave. But that's one of the things that makes this program great is that, you know, our audience is invested. The Sharpies are out. The arms are bared. They're taking notes. Yeah. And listen, and, and you may you even go back to an exchange between Jim Garrison and David Ferry, right back in the old JFK film, Kevin Costner, yep, Robin Hood, yep, Kevin yep, Costner. Yep, yep, yep. Um, where, where Costner asked David Ferry, playing, um, played by uh, uh, Joe Pesci, who killed the president. And, Joe, and, and this is a quote, Brad. Oh, man, why don't you stop it? This is too big for you. Uh, you know that? Who did the president? Who killed Kennedy? It's a mystery. It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. The shooters don't even know. Don't you get it? See, so that's the type of thing we're dealing with here, mm. where the mystery and the riddle and then the guys that the, there's a wailing widow in the audience and then you don't even know. In the meantime, you just sort of, you know, you say, well, wait a minute, you know, maybe we should move on. And then we start talking about something else. Like, for example, Brad, Prince Charles, ah, Prince Charles. Charles. Yes, indeed. Uh, of course, the royal report. Brad, Brad is fascinated by royalty, loves everything royal. Well, uh, Prince Charles. Um, apparently, Brad is in hot water now because he's taken several million uh, euros, I believe, or pounds in cash from uh, some Qatari prince into his charity and used that to pay for, uh, among other things, private flights in luxury uh, jets across the world to go talk about climate change. Also, I do believe that he's feathered the nest of one Duchess of Cornhole with some rather extravagant uh, silk uh, items. Again, unmentionables, as you and I would say. Um, but the question has come up in the uh, UK now with the Queen just celebrating her royal jubilee of, I believe, we converged on 150 years on the throne. Um, she's not going to be there forever. And when Prince Charles takes over, the question is, is he suited for that position now that he's been shown to be in the pocket of the royal family of Qatar? Well, I mean, from, from a certain perspective, who cares, right? Because at this point, I, you know, other than being figureheads and, you know, being able to wave gracefully at parades and throwing, you know, fairly significant wedding ceremonies, I, I don't know what sort of influence the royals have. Maybe I'm underestimating it. And, and on the other hand, who... I mean, Charles has been a doofus since eight o'clock day one. Now, as much as I like sort of the steeliness and you all can go F yourselves attitude of the queen and her ability to just, you know, march her five foot self around and, you know, tell everybody where they can get off. And I do admire that. 
she did not do a tremendous job with her sons. I, mean, I think we can all agree on that. I, I don't know where the fault lies. Maybe it was more her husband. He's not with us anymore. He can't defend himself. It's not fair to pick on him. I don't know. Uh, but this, the, the next generation is not great. And now it seems like William is a stand-up guy. I believe I mentioned that last week. I, I sort of admire him and his, you know, the way he's committed himself to flying medevac helicopters in this country. I mean, if you're a prince, you don't have to do a thing, but he has chosen to, you know, do that and, and good for him. It seems to, you know, stay out of the public eye, not be a total jackass like his brother and his father. Um, but I, buddy, I, I just, I don't, I don't know why anyone really cares. And I think if it turns out that there's malfeasance on the part of Charles and they're not, and again, nothing is more ironic than, you know, these climate warriors jetting around on private jets, just burning dinosaurs, creating holes in the sky anywhere they choose. I mean, there's just nothing more ironic than that. So I love that as well. But I, I don't know why you wouldn't just prosecute the guy and the Duchess of Cornhole just for good measure. Throw her in the dock as well. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I look, I completely um, I agree with some of that. I'm not sure if you're saying culpability for Prince Charles, the murder of the Senate sergeant at arms or taking money from the Qataris or both, or just flying around. He certainly loves the Duchess of Cornhole, but look, he is a, uh, he's a flawed human and I am fine with him, you know, taking over uh, in the, um, in the, the crown, right? The crown prince. He's not um, going to get it. He's not shit. That queen will not die. She has promised herself that she will not die before her son. She's going to turn that crown over to her grandson, and then she's going to, you know, just like MacArthur, fade away. Fade away into the night. Or day. doesn't matter. As soon as she gives the crown to William, she's out. But then another facet of this in the royal family and tying back to Roe is that we could have a new candidate emerging out of the royal family for um, uh, the presidency of the United States. Um, the Duchess... Uh, I'm not sure. The Megxit, Megxit, Meghan Markle has said in an interview with Gloria Steinem, who's right down the middle politically, quote, we'll be going to D.C. together to take care of things soon, meaning her and the crown prince, um, the Megxit prince, the, 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 the redhead. And uh, they're going to, quote, take action against uh, over Roe v. Wade. She said that uh, Harry is a feminist and the reaction that he had to overturning Roe is guttural. Uh, she has said that the best thing that can, and this is a quote, Brad, this is a quote. This is not something um, uh, that I'm making up. She said, quote, my husband and I have talked a lot about overturning Roe the last few days. He's a feminist too. And in an uh, intervention that'll be perceived to be pro-Democrat, we have to channel that fear into action. We can start in November by going in the midterms and voting for the Democrats. We have to vote every time, all of us. And then we may have to take on a larger role. So a lot of people, Brad, have perceived this as the the the, the, the Megxit Duchess um, Duke of potentially stepping in to uh, potentially run for president, one or the other of them, in I guess 2024. Of course, they'd have to amend the Constitution because I do believe he's a he, he was born in Britain. He's a, not a citizen, and I think she was born in Canada. But put that aside for a minute. Put that aside. Uh, do you think it's a good idea that the the, the Prince of Megxit um, sort of reappears to fight the battle of the Roe v. Waders? Or do you think uh, maybe they should focus on other endeavors? 
Well, but again, irony seems to be the theme of the show, right? So the fact that you've got a royal talking about running for office is interesting, right? I mean, those are sort of mutually exclusive concepts, the idea of a monarchy and a democracy. In fact, I believe at some point in the 18th century, maybe towards the end of it, we fought a war about that. But again, my high school history teacher wasn't all that great. I, 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 but I guess it depends when you ask me whether or not it's good, you know, how I feel about it. It's sort of, again, it's a matter of perspective as a podcast guy, well, is a podcaster? Is that what we are? Are we podcasters? I, I, whatever podcasters. we are. Pod, New, pas, gender neutral. Podcastanistas? What, whatever the case may be. Someone is winning. There's someone in the audience, whoever's winning there, obviously a fan of the Duchess of Cornhole, please stop and let Brad continue. Yeah, Sorry, we, we'll Brad, get to you. Ahead. We'll get to you. Put your hand down. We'll, we'll, we'll get to you. I know you're emotionally invested. We appreciate that. We'll get to you. But the point is, I, as, as podcasters, this... I don't even know how to describe her. Just self-infatuated boob running for office would be amazing, right? It would be even better than Kamala Harris. I mean, the things that would come out of her mouth would give us the opportunity to podcast nonstop, 24-7, 365 for a decade. So I'm, I'm a fan of that from that perspective. In terms of the welfare of the republic, it, you know, her being in office, any office, dog catcher in Scranton, Pennsylvania, not a good idea. Well, first of all, Scranton, Pennsylvania is one of our favorite towns. And, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to definitely head that way soon. We have a big uh, um, following there, of course. Brad, people may not know this, but uh, Corporal Max Klinger from MASH was either from Scranton or Toledo. I'm not sure. But I do know our president, Joe Biden, was from Scranton. At least he says that. Yeah, well, he says a lot of things, buddy. So I, I you know, I have not seen his birth certificate. Um, but I, at ah, this point, unfortunately for Joe, and, you know, he, it's not even that he's, you know, just a doddering old fool at this point. He had a hard time with the truth throughout his public career, right? So, I, you know, the fact that Joe Biden says he's from Scranton is you know, evidentiary to a certain extent, but it is not dispositive. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to uh, unpack in Scranton, a lot of unsolved mysteries to solve. We'll get to them. Uh, Brad, next, the big uh, January 6th uh, committee hearing, not really bipartisan, primarily Democratic and anti-Trumpers, uh, had a, had a uh, surprise hearing this week where uh, some chief of staff to uh, the uh, or staff member to the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, testified that uh, the president went a little bit unhinged and wanted to go to the Capitol um, when, when it was being um, uh, subject to uh, sort of a little redecoration on January 6th. He wanted the uh, Secret Service to drive him there. He tried to grab the wheel of the car, the, the limo, and steer the car towards the Capitol. The Secret Service wouldn't let him do it. And then apparently he brought, he threw his lunch across the room uh, in the uh, White House, uh, pulled the tablecloth out, did a bunch of stuff. Um, and, and he said, and I quote, I'm the effing president as he lunged at the Secret Service agent's throat in a bid to drive the car to the Capitol. Um, so, Brad, what do, you, uh, what do you make of all this? you find this testimony reliable? Do you think that uh, maybe President Trump um, demonstrated a lack of temperament 
in, in this case, what, what, what's this all about? Well, I, you know, I got, who knows, right? I mean, the truth, it doesn't matter anymore, right? It's, it's the narrative that matters. Any modicum of, you know, information, reliable or otherwise, is acceptable if it fits your narrative. And so, you know, how much truth underlies, the, you know, the stories of Trump tossing, you know, food around the White House or trying to choke Secret Service agents or take control of the limo or go to the go to the Capitol. I mean, who knows? Right. I'm sure if you were to ask him, he would say none of that happened. Although, who knows? Does he have that kind of personality? Absolutely. Could I see him demanding to go to the Capitol? Of course I can. Right? You don't have to be around a guy like that for very long before you go. Yeah, I could see him doing that. Uh, but unfortunately, you just can't rely on what comes out of any of these people's mouths, right? I mean, is it is it just, you know, incomprehensible that Trump would behave that way? No, right? But is it a guarantee because this guy who was, you know, an assistant to an assistant or the guy who was an assistant says that this is what happened, that it's what happened? No, but I can understand why no one would care to get to the bottom of that and just put him on TV because, again, it fits the narrative. Now, if Trump wanted to go to the Capitol, should they have let him? If you're the Secret Service, the answer is obviously no. You have a responsibility. You can't let a guy who is as you know crazily wired as Trump is to go to the Capitol. From a again, from a podcaster's perspective, should they have let him? Yes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that, buddy? Trump marching his way to the front of that thing, maybe carrying a torch, maybe a pitchfork. Who knows? Um, but then it comes out later that both the Secret Service driver and the other individual who she, she didn't see any of this. Right. She heard it from, oh, of course, Deputy yeah. Chief of Staff. Well, we're happy um, to have the hearsay, you know, yeah. admissible in this particular venue. So, so Go ahead. Both of those both of those individuals, including the Secret Service driver, uh, are, are reportedly prepared to testify under oath that Trump did not grab the steering wheel or lunge at agents to drive himself to the Capitol on January 6th. But throwing a uh, cheeseburger across the room against the wall, I can see it. Yeah, no, of course you can. I mean, that is a Trump-like thing to do. And, you know, frankly, does not end with Donald Trump. I mean, there have been more than one U.S. president, you're more of an expert on this than I am, uh, who would throw a cheeseburger. Uh, Next, Brad, we get into, again, uh, outer space. And uh, Brad, uh, the latest in this whole UFO meets military aircraft phenomena that we've seen over the last few years is this naval crew that uh, told a documentary maker uh, back in um, 19, I'm sorry, in 2019, said that the ships were swarmed by over 100 unidentified flying objects. Those are UFOs, right? Unidentified mm-hmm. flying objects. And they said the incident went on for hours. And then happened again throughout the month. Crafts hovering around, zipping around, um, not uh, not necessarily firing any lasers, but they did have multicolored lights on them. And uh, you know, the Navy chiefs uh, said basically that uh, the objects were drones. But now, uh, in a new documentary, the, um, uh, the the filmmaker has interviewed members of the crew who have said they could not be drones because these ufos had quote unexplainable capabilities right far beyond drones both in terms of their speed some of the colors brad were exotic Mm. and uh apparently the navy has videos of this 
And I'm wondering if this is one of the reasons that uh, Trump was not allowed to go to the Capitol on that day. Well, I mean, it certainly could have been, right? I mean, you, you don't want to put the president in a situation where he's subject to exotic colored UFOs. I mean, yep. I think if you were to put yourself in the shoes of the Secret Service and, and you were to be asked the question, should the president be potentially endangered by exotic colors of drones or other aircraft, the answer would generally be no, that would be protocol. Uh, so, you know, maybe I, otherwise, buddy, I, I don't really know what to make of it, but I, I find it surprising that this could have happened and we wouldn't have heard more about it. It does. Well, listen, I mean, we were hearing about it now. There is a, uh, 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 an independent filmmaker making a film about it. I believe a lot of this was chronicled in the big Michael Bay picture, Independence Day. Remember with mm, Will Smith mm -hmm. and the guy from uh, Hoosiers, I think, or whatever. But in any event, we've already seen it sort of play out on the big screen. And we don't, we obviously don't want that to happen again, except for the part about us defeating the aliens. I mean, the, the rest, the destruction of the Eiffel Tower, the pyramids, we don't, we don't really want. But why, why do aliens always do that? I mean, you raise a good issue. Right? I mean, what, what is it about? Why are, I mean, aliens must just be crotchety. Right. Like, I, I, you know, we have crotchety people on this planet. We have to deal with them every day. But it seems like all aliens are crotchety. Like they show up and the first thing they do is blast the Eiffel Tower. I mean, that I mean, that's just I mean, come on. You're not a nice person if that's what you do. And then, you, you know, you zip your way down to Egypt, you blast the pyramid. I mean, it doesn't do you any good. That's just mean spirited. Well, why? Well, I mean, all, all good points. Some would say touche. I'm not exactly sure. I would say, Brad, these aren't people. They're aliens. So oh, I'm not, I'm not sure uh, you can say that anymore, my friend. I'm not sure you can just blithely, you know, sweep aliens into the not people category. I mean, you are going to get kicked out of the week, progressive church. Up until last week, they could have voted in the uh, in the Democratic uh, Many did, primary. Many did, is my York understanding. City. Many did. Yeah. Could have swung that election. Uh, next, Brad, I know everyone out there is up in arms about monkeypox. The uh, number of monkeypox cases have, has soared to 22 after mm. the pride events of this past week. So, you know, that's obviously a problem. The White House, meanwhile, is scrambling to ship new monkeypox vaccines to clinics across the, the country. Um, they claim that uh, America already has a million doses of this vaccine uh, currently that it owns. But unfortunately, most of those, Brad, are <clears throat> quote unquote frozen in uh, freezers in Denmark. Uh, so it seems like this is an existential crisis. It is um, uh, the cases are growing and we have sort of a fundamental problem here. And our vaccine is not even in the U.S. In fact, it's uh, it's over in uh, somewhere in Scandinavia in a uh, in a freezer. Somebody, something is rotten in Denmark, and I. But I hope it's not the monkeypox. I hope those are in fact frozen and therefore fine. Uh, you know, I mean, I just shudder to think out of the population of LA, there being twenty-two people who have contracted monkeypox because they're in some sort of pride parade related. It's in LA, Brad. Just in LA, they're 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 orgiastic. The yeah, I, I mean, it's it's literally it's going to bring this country down. But it's good to see that the White House is in fact focused on what matters. And that's stomping out these hundred cases of monkeypox. Again, more people have been bitten by a bear in the period of time. 
uh, during which monkeypox has been ravaging this country than folks who have contracted monkeypox. But we have a poster. And so, you know, we've taken the most important step. You and I went through this last week. We have a poster about how to have sex if you have monkeypox and, and do it safely. Yeah. The CDC has spent untold numbers of taxpayer dollars to get that poster out. So we have that. And, you know, now we just have to get the White House to continue to focus on these hundred cases of monkeypox and getting, you know, supersonic jets to Denmark to get our million doses of monkeypox vaccine back here in time. Yeah. And just you dethought in the microwave, unlike a uh, softened butter. Um, yeah. Or, that, you know, or you, the, the frozen bagel setting so that you can properly toast it. But yeah, uh, but yeah. I mean, other than that, it's fine. Yeah. Nice. Next, Brad, the, to, to wrap up again, barter band is where we talk about things in the front of the news that matter to everyday Americans. So this week, Brad, barter band murdering delivery people uh, over condiment use. Is this in the uh, in the metaverse or real life? Real life, Brad. This week oh. we had two significant uh, issues. Um, uh, arise first in Atlanta, a subway worker, the subway, the big, uh, the big chain where they make the sandwiches, mm-hmm. uh, was shot dead. And another was injured after an angry customer opened fire in subway because, uh, the, uh, worker put too much mayonnaise on his sandwich, which I believe was a number four. Um, so the, the shooting occurred, the, the store's owner said the manager was, uh, able to return, uh, fire, but didn't strike the gunman. The manager did manage to strike uh, one of the other patrons in the uh, store. Uh, the owner of the store, Willie Glenn, told Fox 5 Atlanta that Mayo was to blame for the deadly argument. Quote, believe it or not, it was all about too much mayonnaise on his sandwich. He decided, decided to escalate things. Uh, and from there, that's where all hell broke loose. I give you also, Brad, the case of uh, one Glenn Hirsch, uh, 51 of Queens, uh, who has been um, uh, in and out of trouble in the past with a particular Chinese restaurant in the Queens called the Great Wall. Uh, the uh, Apparently, the uh, Mr. Hirsch had an ongoing beef with uh, the Great Wall eatery stemming from his claim last year that they always shorted his order uh, of duck sauce. He didn't get enough duck sauce uh, mm. with his order. Uh, the restaurant owner said that Hirsch had repeatedly harassed him and workers claiming that his car had been vandalized and he showed up at the eatery screaming about duck sauce. In January, he showed up and said, do you remember me? Uh, right before he gunned down his delivery man, Zouan Yan, who he believed was uh, uh, specifically uh, responsible for the lack of duck sauce. And... Um, you know, now uh, apparently this is uh, this one is going to go to trial with a, uh, a defense that uh, is basically justifiable homicide. So, Brad, do you think people should be murdered if they put too much or too little uh, condiments in an order or on a sandwich? Or do you think that's uh, reason enough to bar that person? Hey, but it, it, this, is a, this is a tough one for me because I don't like mayonnaise. Right. And so I, I could see someone becoming disgruntled about having too much mayonnaise. I mean, it does my heart good that we were able to, to have a full-blown gunfight in a subway over mayonnaise. I mean, if anyone thinks this country is perhaps teetering a bit in terms of where we stand ethically and morally, the fact that we had a 
exchange of gunfire over mayonnaise in a Subway restaurant may be an indicator there. Uh, but buddy, duck sauce is serious business. Chinese food, I think we can all agree, is A, delicious, and B, all about the sauce. And so if you short a man his duck sauce, I, again, I, and you call yourself the Great Wall. I mean, that's not great, right? That's not great behavior to short someone the duck sauce. So I, I'm a little torn here in that, you know, I do think gunplay over mayonnaise is a bit extreme. Um, but again, duck sauce, that's, uh, that's a grade A condiment. I'm going to take a different perspective. You say it should be allowed. I'm going to say you should probably bar the person with a semi-automatic weapon uh, from uh, uh, killing someone over no duck sauce, right? I mean, you know, I'm fine. Put a little soy sauce on, get over it. The mayo thing, a little more egregious. That's a borderline case, Brad. And I'm going to side with you on that one. Well, there you have it, buddy. I mean, again, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you and I are not fans of violence. If your lack of condiment, or quite frankly, if the overabundance of a condiment is pushing you to the point where you are considering murdering someone, it may be time to take a step back, maybe take a walk. Yeah, maybe go to an aquarium and watch fish. They say that has a calming effect on people. Maybe start listening to a certain podcast or cable radio program. Uh, exactly. That can help you friend. learn a little more. And then maybe if you could talk to the person delivering your order without duck sauce in an educated way about what's going on in this world, maybe next time he'll bring you five packets of duck sauce instead of none. And you could store it. You could store it for the day the aliens arrive and you'll be the only one on your block with duck sauce and may actually be able to negotiate for the freedom of the human race with the aliens and their exotically colored vehicles solely because you had the temerity to negotiate for additional duck sauce as opposed to initiating violence. And we will get back to all of that next week here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.